Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. And yes, it's been, you know, it's kind of the dog days of summer. Uh, I've been wrapped up in Brown's camp, and uh, Chris has been enjoying time with his family, which is great. Um, Not too much in the way of news, but we do have some things we want to get to today. The first of which is the Cavaliers' schedule for the 2022-2023 season being released. Cavaliers will open the season against the Toronto Raptors in Toronto on October 19th at 7.30. Their first home game will be against the Washington Wizards on October 23rd at 7 p.m. Chris, you've been through this schedule. I mean, what sticks out at you pretty much um, right away from what you've seen? So I think a couple of things stand out to me, Hayden. I don't think it's a super difficult schedule, and obviously these things can change. But there's somebody that I follow who builds their own metrics for figuring these things out, strength of schedule and whatnot. It's it's yeah. different. Everybody's got their own way of doing it, right? And this person that I followed, um, they've got the Cavs as the 10th easiest schedule in the entire okay. NBA. So top third in terms of easy. That helps. There's no doubt about that. The other thing that stands out to me beyond the spicy opening night match on the road against Toronto, um, obviously the the rookie of the year stuff with Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes, that hangs over it. But Toronto is one of those teams that's like fringy playoff, kind of like the Cavs are fringy playoff. If you do the Eastern Conference into tiers, I don't think anybody's putting Toronto with the Celtics and the Heat and the Bucks and the 76ers, right? They're kind of lumped together with the Bulls and the Hawks and the Cavs as which one of those teams is going to emerge and get like one of those final two locked in playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. Um, beyond that, like I said, the thing that stands out to me, if you remember last year, Hayden, last year with the schedule, the Cavs went on this West Coast trip early on in the season. Remember that? And there was a feeling of like, oh boy, like what is that going to look like for this team when they come back from that? Because they started the season on the road, then they came back home and they lost their first two games. And then they basically went on the road for a long road trip. Denver, both LA teams, Phoenix, and then Charlotte. And some people were looking at that saying, oh boy, you know, the Cavs could come back and they could have only two wins or maybe one win on the season. Um, That West Coast trip, talking to a lot of the players, every time they talked about the success that they had throughout the course of the season and the surprising start that they had to the season, everybody looked back on that West Coast trip and said, that's where we learned a lot about ourselves. That's when we came together more as a team. That's when we started to believe that we could compete with some of the top teams in the entire NBA. That's when we started to believe our identity, as unconventional as it seemed with the tall ball lineup, was going to work and it was going to be successful for us. So the Cavs got a lot of confidence and a lot of belief by going on that West Coast road trip and having success. They beat Denver, they beat the Clippers, and they beat Charlotte coming home off of that. It was three and two on that trip. And that, you know, given the expectations for the Cavs coming into the year and they were coming off this 22-win season and they were playing against all these playoff caliber teams, for them to have that kind of early success 
in that environment, that was really, really big for them. And if you remember, Hayden, coming off of that trip, they went on a three-game winning streak. They won five of the next six. So they have another one of those in this year's schedule. It's nice and early. It's it's very, very similar in terms of quality opponent. It starts in Detroit. It finishes against the Golden State Warriors. It plays both Los Angeles teams. So these road trips early on in the season, they can bring a team together or they could do some damage the other way. And how the Cavs handle that, I think, is something that we have to monitor here because yes. it was a big, big deal for them last year. Right. So November 4th, they're in Detroit. November yep. 6th, they are in Los Angeles taking on LeBron and the Lakers at 3.30. So a, a afternoon game there uh, in, yep. in La La Land. And then they're in uh, the very next night back-to-back against the Clippers. Uh, that is a 10.30 tip. Uh, Eastern time and then Sacramento and then uh, Golden State. So that is the trip. And then uh, they're back home against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So they're gone from November 4th till November 13th, uh, nine days. And, uh, you know, I think that that's uh, that you're right. I think you're that you're exactly right. That's going to be a big start to the season for them to kind of gauge where they're at. Yep. Uh, I, I'm looking through the schedule here. There's a couple, you know, they they go to Texas for a couple days in December. Yeah. Um, they go out to Phoenix or Denver, Phoenix, and Utah in January. That yep. and and or and uh, Portland as well. Oh, hey, don't a, forget Minnesota, man. Like Minnesota yeah. loaded no, up to trip. try and become a playoff team this year with Rudy Gobert, and and I think Minnesota is going to be tough. Yeah, I just, I just, I yeah, I was just look going through and didn't see it, but yeah. So they have another big trip, January sixth. They get back yep. January sixteenth. So that's a big trip to Denver, Phoenix, Utah. Portland and Minnesota before coming home to play the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. So that's another significant trip. Other than that, I'm trying to look through, see here if there's any huge trips other than that one. I'm not seeing anything crazy. Well, the Uh, other interesting wrinkle this year, Hayden, and this is something that the NBA talked about doing a couple of years ago. And I think to some degree, trying to navigate COVID um, made them, alter some of the plans that they already had when it came to scheduling and they were so focused on protocols and safety and all that kind of stuff that that one of their initiatives kind of went to the back burner or more to the back burner than I think they would have liked to but there right. are like these baseball-y series things um where you're staying in a city and you're playing the same team back to back and there's less travel involved in that, right? And obviously, from my standpoint, as a writer, that's awesome. Because now, instead of three days or two days in, in Brooklyn or in Manhattan, which is where I stay when they play against the Brooklyn Nets, you know, I got four or five straight in one of the greatest cities in the world. And then at the end of the year, yeah, I get to spend five straight days in Orlando. Like, are you kidding me? At a nice resort? Like, I was I'll just take gonna- that. I was just going to I was just going to say that I see. So in April, they'll be they'll be yeah. against the Magic uh, twice over yeah. the, and they have a day off in between. Yeah. Um, and then you'll be in Miami. Same situation. Yeah. You'll play yeah. them twice a day in between. Right. Um, there's one more. Oh, you'll be in Charlotte. They play them twice a day in between. Yeah. So that's that's nice for you. I mean, that's that's pretty perfect for what you're looking for. And Brooklyn. Don't forget Brooklyn now. That's Brooklyn, another one yep. where it's Brooklyn, that. Yep. 
It's that set. It's that back-to-back set. So beyond me enjoying that and that being great for me because I can get firmly established in my hotel, um, I don't have to pack, I don't have to catch a flight, I have more time to write, I have more time for coverage, I have more time to enjoy those cities, and you better believe it, I'm going to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, it, It helps a team like the Cavs, right? Because that's the dog days of the NBA. That's a playoff push. That's when you're really, really worn down and the 82 game grind is is going to get to you. If you remember at the end of last season, you know, the Cavs were gassed and Darius yes. Garland was gassed. Oh, and it was a unique yes. situation that they were trying to navigate because of all of the injuries that they had. And it catches up to you. It's naturally going to. So I think for the NBA to mix those in, in March, when, you know, the quality of basketball can tail off, the competitiveness level of some teams can tail off, the exhaustion can kick in. I think it's going to make for better quality ball for a lot of these teams. And I think it's going to help a team like the Cavs specifically, that's really trying to make a push for the playoffs in March. Right. Um, they need to be at optimum. They need to be as healthy, rested as possible. Um, And I think this kind of schedule setup is going to help for that. Because yeah, they, they have these cushy hotels and yeah, they have these charter flights, but, but it's tough, man. The 82 game season, it is a grind. So the less travel involved, um, the, the less ancillary factors that could prevent them from playing at the highest level. I think it's going to be um, better for everybody. But like I said, especially the Cavs, because that's when they're really pushing for the playoffs. So there's another game on the schedule that has been kind of circled. Uh, now no. the Cavaliers hosting the Los Angeles Lakers on December 6th <laughs> at 730, which segues beautifully into our next topic of conversation here. Um, LeBron James signs a two-year deal with the Los Angeles Lakers extension. Um, there was definitely chit-chat. There's definitely some rumblings of potentially a third return for the King yeah. to Cleveland. And now those dreams are essentially dashed. So what do you make of that? What do you think? Uh, you know, it seems like he just was happy in L.A. And that's I think that's fine. I think he deserved, deserves mm-hmm. that. So the two years are extended after this year, correct? Yeah, so that's the important thing about it. Yeah. It's it's an extension, but it's basically a one-year extension because it's got a player option in the second year. So the way to look at it is LeBron is locked into the Lakers for this coming season and then the following season. And then, again, we have this conversation. Right. In the summer of 24, which not coincidentally is the first year um, that Bronny James could, emphasis on could, could be eligible to come to the NBA. And LeBron's uh, desire to play with Bronny on the same team at the end of his career before he retires is not overblown. It is something that, as you know, Hayden, um, being in the locker room with LeBron during the finals years when he was with the Cavs, before he even got to Los Angeles, right. um, before this even became a public thing that a lot of people are now writing about. Going back five years, basically, LeBron was telling people privately 
that he wanted to play with Bronny in the NBA. And yep. towards the end of his career, when he was done, you know, making championships the primary goal for him, it was playing with Bronny. And again, this was three, four years before it became public that this is what he wanted to do. Right. Yeah, I do remember, you know, those conversations and such. And uh, I think it makes sense. I mean, good for him. You know, I think it's awesome. I mean, we haven't seen that much, you know, Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey's senior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like it's it doesn't happen often. So I think it would be great. And obviously, you know, there's a little bit we're talking about Bronny James in terms of like where he's going to go to school um, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it all remains to be seen. But I think certainly LeBron James has done a wonder for his son in saying that, oh, I'll go wherever Bronny goes. <laughs> so yeah. um, there are going to be teams that that, you know, remember that when when maybe LeBron James Jr. is eligible to be drafted. So. Um, so, you know, and and I think that that, you know, it does put an end to the conversations. And I think uh, that's fair. Uh, no, you don't think so? Uh, I was going to correct you. I don't think the dream is dashed. I don't think it puts an end to them. I think it delays those conversations. Okay. okay. Look, if we're being honest about this, um, the Cleveland ties for LeBron are always going to be there. Yep. They're not as strong as they were when he came back in 2014, obviously. Yeah. Because when he came back in 2014, he was trying to undo the decision. He was trying to boost his legacy even more. And he hadn't won a championship with the Cavs. He hadn't delivered on that particular promise. So he obviously has at this point. So the ties aren't as strong. The, the pull to Cleveland isn't as strong. But as long as the Cavs are this kind of team, a young up-and-coming team that is competing for at least a play-in spot, this is going to be an attractive destination for an aging LeBron James. Because think about it, Hayden. You know, part of the reason when we're talking about basketball-related, pure basketball-related reasoning, um, part of the reason why he came to the Cavs is because Miami at the time, it was an aging roster, they didn't have the opportunity to improve the team, and it felt like Miami had reached its ceiling with LeBron, right? So he comes to the Cavs. It, it's not a playoff team. It was a team coming off a 33-win season, but there were enough basketball reasons for him to come back in 2014. Kyrie was here. Tristan Thompson was here, and they had young assets that they could turn into Kevin Love which is what they did. And it didn't have to be Kevin Love. It could have been LaMarcus Aldridge, right? It could have been Carmelo yeah. Anthony. It could have been Chris Bosh. It could have yeah. been that type of player. But they yeah. had the assets to do that. So it was attractive to LeBron. And part of why he came here, he was thinking, okay, I'm going to help Kyrie take that next step in his career. I'm going to give him the blueprint. And then eventually, I'm going to pass the torch to Kyrie. It didn't happen for a variety of reasons, <laughs> but that was the thinking. And then he goes to Los Angeles and he's like, okay, we have these young assets and Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and some of these future draft picks that if we need to, we can get a player of the caliber of Anthony Davis, the guy who eventually I'm going to pass the torch to. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. With AD's injuries and his history, you start to think 
I don't know if that's the guy that you can pass the torch to. But, like, that's the thinking for LeBron towards the end of his career. I don't want to be Mr. Everything on the basketball court. Like, I don't want to have to be MVP caliber every single night just for our team to be competitive. And if he feels like there's an opportunity basketball-wise towards the end of his career where he doesn't have to be that kind of guy— I think he would explore that. And as long as the Cavs keep this young core together with Darius and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen and some people inside the organization talk about Lowry Markkinen as if he's a core member as well. Like, that's the kind of setup that is really, really appealing for an aging LeBron. Because if he came here to Cleveland, there's enough talent around him, there's enough youth around him, that he doesn't have to be Mr. MVP every single night just for his team to be competitive. So for yeah, me, no, that makes sense. For me, I say it's delayed. It's not dead. Right. Okay. Well, then, but my I guess my point would be to counter you would be: Is LeBron James Jr. Is Bronny like? Is that just wherever he goes and whenever whenever he's ready, wherever he goes? I mean, Le- LeBron's going to drop everything and sign there, right? And I and I assume it's just be, it's going to be, you know, a team that probably isn't very good if yeah. they, if they're drafting high, right? If LeBron James, if Bronny's going to get drafted higher than you know, because of LeBron, like that's my question here: is that is the dream alive or is it dead because of the Bronny thing? Or, or there's another thing involved here, and I don't think we can discount this. Uh, This is a player's league. This is about player empowerment. I wouldn't rule out the possibility of Rich Paul being the most powerful agent in the entire NBA, finding a way to get Bronny to a situation that LeBron would want to be at. Or if LeBron chooses his team and says, right, I'm coming back to Cleveland or I'm staying in Los Angeles, whichever direction he would want to go, Rich Paul making it known to other teams around the NBA that don't draft Bronny, he's not playing for you, or something along those lines, somehow flexing his power to get Bronny to the situation that LeBron is already in. Interesting. Interesting. I think that's the second path. Like, the obvious path is that Bronny gets drafted by somebody. Who knows where and who knows when in the draft? You know, he's— By all accounts, everybody that I've talked to around the NBA that does this for a living, that scouts this, they talk about Bronny as like late first round pick, early second round pick type of player. Now that could change. He could have a great season uh, this year in high school, and then he could go somewhere in college and have a great freshman season. And then the status quo changes. Um, But the obvious path that everybody talks about is that, okay, well, Bronny's going to get drafted by Team X, and then LeBron is going to sign with that same team in free agency. I'm just saying that I think there's another path. All right. Well, like you said, it is delayed because I think the next two years are pretty much accounted for in terms of, yeah. you know, where LeBron James will be. So yeah, we can because, talk, about, like, we can talk if, about it again next year. Like, are you the Lakers and are you really going to be the first team ever to trade LeBron like no. during a season? No, I I don't see that. I think they're committed to trying to build the team as best they can 
so that the Lakers can still be a prominent threat in the Western Conference for as long as LeBron is there. And if it doesn't happen, then I think he considers his other options at the end of this particular extension. Well, if it's any if it's any consolation or any any sign, LeBron James appeared in my dream last night and said the Lakers are going <laughs> to win one. We're going to win one this year. So that's that's that, that might be something. I don't know why he was there, but he was there and he said the Lakers are going to uh, are going to win the, win the championship this season. We're going to be surprised. So we'll see. We'll see if he's right. I mean, look, if if you're looking at this honestly and and you're trying to make the tiers in the Western Conference the same way that you do in the Eastern Conference, I, I think we can all admit that the Lakers are not with the Warriors and the Suns, right? Yeah. Um but it's LeBron number 1. And what happens if this is the year that Anthony Davis stays healthy for close to 82 games and he returns to his MVP form? Like, this is a guy who a couple of years ago we were all discussing as a top 10 player in the entire NBA. Like, if you have LeBron and a top 10 player in the NBA on the same team, you know, you're going to compete. You're, you're probably not going to be the Clippers and the Suns and the Warriors and the Grizzlies, but you can compete. Yeah. 100%. And LeBron has always said, just give me a chance. Get me into the playoffs. And I like our chances. Um, yeah. The other thing to consider here is, like, what if the Lakers somehow do trade for Kyrie Irving? Well, yeah. suddenly the conversation that we're having about the Lakers and their chances of competing are a lot different. So we know in the NBA, things can change quickly. Um, and again, when it's a team led by LeBron, I will never completely rule them out um, when it comes to competing for at least a playoff spot, maybe even more. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Um, anything new, and I don't mean to switch gears so quickly, but, you know, this is a Cavaliers podcast, and LeBron sure. James will we'll likely not be playing for the Cavaliers over the next two years. Um, but you, I, 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 I appreciate the fact that you see there could be something in the future. Anyways, um, is there anything update? Any updates on the Colin Sexton situation? I mean, is he just going to come to training camp and they're, they're just going to play and that's it, or is he going to, you know, is he still trying to, um, you know, search for a, a suitor or what's the going on with Colin Sexton? You wrote something about it not being contentious. Yeah. Everything that I've heard is that conversations between the two sides are not contentious. Um, Kobe Altman, and the president of basketball operations, and Rich Paul, the CEO of Clutch Sports, um, they actually spoke in late January when Rich came back from um, a vacation that he was on with, with Adele in Italy. So uh, those two talked, but I didn't sense that there was any movement towards a deal. Um, I think the bottom line is where we are today is the same place that that we've been. Colin and his camp want more than what the Cavs are willing to give and, and what the Cavs think they should give for somebody like Colin. Um, if you're looking at it from the Cavs' point of view, they are saying, hey, we're giving you a multi-year deal worth $40 million. That's not nothing. Right? right. We're giving you an annual salary of about 13 million. That's double 
or about double the qualifying offer that we extended to you, which is 7.2. And that's 3 million more than the mid-level exception, which is the only thing that you could get from some of these teams in free agency, given their salary cap space. Right. So why don't you want this? Why don't you take this? And Colin in his camp is saying, well, that's not starting guard money, right? That doesn't account for the fact that I would then be locked into a contract for another three years, lower than what we want, lower than the valuation that we place on us. And there is inherent reward for us in becoming an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2023 when about half the league is going to have salary cap space. Unlike this offseason, when only five teams had salary cap space and I was a restricted free agent. So I think that's the thing that looms over this entire situation, is that Colin is very much a bet-on-yourself kind of guy. Rich Paul is very much a bet-on-yourself kind of agent. And the opportunity... And I'm not saying that this is what is going to happen. The opportunity for Colin to be an unrestricted free agent next offseason when more teams have cap space is appealing, especially because he only played 11 games last year and he's coming off a significant knee injury where he would have an opportunity this year to show teams, hey, I'm still here. Hey, I'm healthy. Hey. I have a style that can contribute to winning. Hey, I can be used in a lesser role and still be as productive as I used to be. Yeah, I mean, it, ma- it makes sense. It all makes sense. And but I, I mean, they- from from Colin's standpoint, like he's working out right now. He's playing. He just played in the semifinals of the Miami Pro League, and everybody that I've talked to that has seen him throughout the course of this offseason. He looks fast. He looks he looks explosive. He's getting buckets. Um, so he's continuing to put in the work. It's just um, there is no quote unquote deadline from his side until we get to October. Right, right. That makes sense. Makes sense. Um, anything else that uh, we've missed, or anything else we need to talk about? Anything else that you have? Um, as this offseason continues, I think training camp starts in September, right? I think there's a yeah, late September. Yeah. Media mixer or something early on. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, media day is going to be late September. Training camp yeah. is going to be late September. Um, obviously, the Cavs would hope that Colin Sexton is, I mean, if they had their way, he would be with them for these voluntary team workouts that they are doing. Um, the one in Los Angeles that is happening, um, and then the one that they believe is going to happen in September in Nashville, because it would be great to have Colin Sexton around the team and participating in those things and building that chemistry and using that as a What's that? The LA one is is happening now, so the Cavs are having, like, you know, workouts between themselves. So that's happening now. Okay. Yes. And then there's going to be one in September in Nashville, you said? The plan is for that, but the date is not finalized and other details of that are not finalized, but that's the belief. That's the hope. Um, So they would like him around that. Right. um, But but we're being technical about it. Colin Sexton is a free agent. 
a restricted one, but a free agent. So that means he's not a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And right. Colin has treated the offseason as such. Um, right. So the Cavs would like him to figure this out, whether accept the qualifying offer or accept the three-year around $40 million deal that the Cavs have offered so that he can be part of those things. Um, but the deadline deadline is October 1st. That's when he has to decide what he's going to do with the qualifying offer. And then both sides can agree um, to push that date back if they would like to. Um, and if Colin is is not signed for that team get-together in Nashville, if it does happen, the Cavs would obviously prefer that he be there for training camp. I think it would benefit Colin to be there for training camp. But we know Rich Paul in his history, he has pushed these things into training camp and beyond training camp in the past. Um, right. So we'll see what happens. But everything that 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 I sense is that the two sides are, are still far apart in terms of valuation. All right. Well, we we keep our eyes peeled until September. Still, I mean, it feels like it's, I don't know. I don't even know what it feels like right now. Just my head spinning in a million different directions. But um, basketball season <laughs> is coming. It is coming. There's no doubt. Um, do we know if there uh, if there's going to be like a full attendance or like, will we get like Instagram updates on who is at these players meet, uh, workouts or will we just have to rely on your sources? So I reported already that the only ones that were not expected to be there besides Colin, of course, because that's obvious are the guys that are currently playing internationally. So that means Larry Markinen, that means Jetty Osman, and I don't know on Howell Neto, to be honest with you. Okay. He went back overseas from everything that I understand, and I don't know if if he came to Los Angeles for that. And then Jared Allen was the one that my source was not entirely sure about because he was, you know, participating in basketball without borders. He was coaching yeah. those teams. Yeah. But it's easy to get from Australia to Los Angeles. Very, very <laughs> easy. So knowing Jarrett, I think he would be there. But those were the four that um, my source was iffy on at the time. Okay, so most of the, I mean, most of the squad is there then. That's, yeah. uh, that's good. I'm sure, and then I'm sure most will be there in Nashville in September. Yeah, that's the plan anyway at this point. Um, so I think the other thing related to Colin that I wanted to touch on, uh, I believe that part of the reason why Rich Paul and Colin Sexton are still waiting is because they want to see if something is going to change the landscape in the next month and a half, let's say. Yeah. Um, does Donovan Mitchell get traded? Does Kyrie Irving get traded? Does Kevin Durant get traded? With those things still kind of hanging out there and no resolution on them, I, I don't think Rich wants to lock into a deal and Colin wants to lock into a deal that they don't love right now. Because if Utah trades Donovan Mitchell, number one, they have an opening for somebody like Colin Sexton. And number two, their salary cap situation changes completely. And maybe the direction of the organization changes completely. So that would open up a potential avenue for Colin to go to Utah, right? Um, and you can say the same thing when it comes to Kevin Durant, and you can say the same thing with Kyrie Irving. 
those kinds of blockbuster trades can change things. It can change the salary cap space available. It can change the motivation for teams. So I get the sense that that Rich Paul and Colin Sexton are hoping that something changes in the NBA over the next month and a half that could free up an opportunity for Colin to go somewhere. Because right now, nobody has money to give Colin Sexton more than what the Cavs are willing to give him or can give him. Right. Um, and, and other teams um, don't have the need for Colin Sexton or the resources to make it happen. Like you can talk about the Utah Jazz right now as an interested suitor. You can talk about the Dallas Mavericks. The Cavs have had conversations with Dallas about a sign and trade for Colin Sexton. But if you're talking about a sign and trade, the Cavs need something back that is going to be valuable to them. Yeah. And neither the Jazz nor the Mavericks have the pieces that the Cavs would want back in a sign and trade for Colin. So all I'm saying is if things happen around the NBA, that could change enough that it could create an opportunity for Colin to go somewhere else or at least have a suitor that that is more realistic than the ones that are out there right now. Right. Well, like you said, I mean, there are things that can certainly happen and the, the, the NBA seems to be the most active kind of ever changing landscape. So I think yeah. that that's, you know, something we have to keep an eye on, too. So, again, well, it'll be an interesting month, September, and then we'll kind of have our answers come October, I would think. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, Chris, if you have anything else, say it now or forever hold your peace. Until then, uh, we are will we talk to you. Are what? Are we in yeah. church? Yes. Yes. I'm, 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 we are in church. I am, I am your pastor. I am your priest. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. Speak now or forever hold your peace. I, yeah. I don't know where that's from. I just, I like it. Um, that is yeah. what they say at the end of church. What, well, what church? I'm Catholic. I don't think they say that. I'm Catholic as well. Yeah. They say that at, at church? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess I'll say God bless you, too, because that's what they say at the end of church as well. <laughs> All right. Well, appreciate I mean, everybody joining us. Wait, on the wine gold. hold on. Oh, I, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, I need to, I need to know this more. Um, have you ever been to a wedding, a Catholic wedding? Yes, I've been to Catholic weddings. That's what they say at the end of those weddings. Speak now or forever hold your peace. I think that's what they say about like objections to the wedding. It's at a wedding. It's also said at church. Dude, I don't, that's, I don't know. That's not true. It's like, it's like go, no, it's like go now and serve his peace or something. I like, there's a specific wording behind it, but it's not speak now or forever hold your peace. It's not that. I guarantee you it's not that. <laughs> it's not? No. Why would, why would they say speak now and for, or forever hold your peace at the end they of the mass? They do a, at Catholic weddings. At the end weddings. of the mass. That makes no, that makes no sense. <laughs> they do at Catholic weddings. Uh, Which dude. is a mass. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know where you're getting this from. I think you're thinking of something else because it's you're, I, it's the same cadence and it does have peace in it. I just don't think it's speak now or forever hold your peace. No, I'm saying a wedding ceremony is like a mass. It is. So that's what I'm saying. It is. So they say it at a Christian mass wedding ceremony. Dude, I'm going to have to look this up because you're 
I'm not saying I'm not Hayden. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying a Sunday mass or like a Christmas mass or a Christmas Eve. You're saying mass. only at you're saying only at a wedding. A Christian wedding. Okay. That is maybe, a mass. Maybe, maybe, yes. I haven't been to that many Catholic weddings. I like services at least, so fine. Yes. I, I will I will I will I will agree to, to I will agree with you on that. I I don't I will give you the benefit of the doubt. Because I have not been to I've been to like I mean I've been to a lot of weddings, but not not necessarily Catholic ones. Maybe three Catholic weddings, four Catholic weddings. Okay. Okay. So not nearly as many as I have. No, been. no, no. I mean yes. I've been to a lot of weddings, but a lot of them are like either, you know, and I'm Catholic, but like, you know. People just some people don't want religious yeah. ceremonies, whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, like at the end of a Sunday mass, yeah. I believe yeah. they say, Go now and serve the Lord or something like yes, that. Yes, that is correct. Yes. Yeah. That so, that would be correct. <laughs> I wasn't talking about like a Saturday or Sunday mass. I'm okay. sorry if I wasn't clear on that. I apologize. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that I didn't understand. But yes, I get it now. Okay. And well, and I just I'm just my wedding, who I'm 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 very single, but in my wedding, I'm gonna have them say, "Speak now and forever hold your peace." At the end, just to make you happy. I am also somebody who very much um, equates weddings to churches, church ceremony weddings. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So that's Agreed. why I said at church. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Gotcha. All right, now we're gonna get out of here after that very important discussion. Appreciate you joining us on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Thank you to Chris. We will talk soon. Um, like I said, as training camp heats up, as things heat up, we will definitely get uh, on a more of a consistent schedule, but Chris is off for the next two weeks. So Chris, enjoy yourself. Um, enjoy your time with your family. And because I know, you know, like you said, the NBA season is a big, big grind. So take the time you need, enjoy yourself. And we will talk to you soon. Sounds good, buddy. All right. Thanks everybody for listening to the wine and gold talk podcast. Check out cleva.com slash Cavs to see all of Chris's great coverage. Also sign up for Chris's subtext three ninety nine dollars a month, 14 day free trial. All you have to do, do is go to cleva.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page, enter your phone number and you will be good to go. So like I said, cleva.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page. You will get to Chris's subtext, all kind of news, insight analysis and straight to your phone before it goes anywhere else. So go check that out today. Appreciate you listening. Have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.